Hello, welcome to this new program, the very first radio show recorded here in the campus of the College of Europe in Natalin. In a few days, French people will elect their new president, an important, very important, almost existential election for the future of the European Union. Two candidates among the favorites, Marine Le Pen and Jean-Luc Mélenchon, pledge with very low nuances to organize a referendum on the country's membership of the European Union after a negotiation. Few months after the Brexit, a Frexit, an exit of France from the European Union, could be a fatal blow to its future. But we are not there yet among the other favorites. There are other proposals, much less radical. One of them is even federalist. Emmanuel Macron is a candidate who has the support of many supporters of the EU, not Valentin's one. Hello, Valentin. Hello. You will explain us why, and we will briefly summarize the proposal of all the candidates on Europe. Later on, Francis. Hello, Francis. Hello. You will explain us why you don't care about this election. Abstention could be a key element. In a moment, Barzin. Hello, Barzin. Hello. You will tell us about the recomposition of the Socialist Party. But first, uh, let's talk about the reshaping of the political landscape. Morgane, bonjour. Bonjour. In two weeks, our lovely country, France, will hold its 11th presidential election since the establishment of the Fifth Republic and we actually witness a reshaping of the political landscape. It is of utmost concern because the presidential election, closely followed by the legislative election, will determine the majoritarian government will have enormous constitutional and customary powers. Two things are relatively new. The first one, the crumbling of bipartisanism. The first experience was during the post-war era, when communists were equally competing with social democrats and Christian democrats. But 70 years later, guess who is the third party? The Front National, right-wing, xenophobic and anti-European political formation presided by Marine Le Pen, the delightful daughter of the political veteran Jean-Marie Le Pen. Jean-Marie Le Pen. The latest poll, released last week by BVA, over 1,006 respondents, signals that 23% of people intend to vote for Marine Le Pen, which would qualify her for the second round. And Morgan, so what about the situation of the two main government parties, the Socialist Party and the Republicans? Actually, the dismantling of government parties is a striking point in the current situation. The Socialist Party and the Republicans are actually going through a leadership and ideological crisis. Hollande's mandate barely contained the ideological clashes within the party. And Benoît Hamon, the surprising winner of the Socialist primary, is far from the second round in the poll. 8.5%. He has difficulties to find his way between Mélenchon and submissive France, who is actually presenting 19% uh, of the votes, and also with Macron, François Hollande's Brutus, who, after being part of Hollande's cabinet and of the second vast government as Minister of Economy, launched his own political movement. But Valentin will tell, will tell more about this independent runner. Finally, Fillon ruined the Les Républicains campaign by refusing to resign despite the accusations of fictitious jobs and embezzling of public money. Thank you very much, Morgan, and we can note that France is not only the European country concerned by this phenomenon. You talk a bit, Morgan, about the Parti Socialiste. It is the topic chosen by you, Barzin, the future of the Socialist Party. Uh, to begin, uh, the story of the Socialist Party during the last five years is the story, Barzin, of a deeply divided party, no? 
Absolutely. In 2012, the Socialist Party almost had it all. Following the 2011 primaries, the party was rather united and succeeded in defeating Nicolas Sarkozy by electing François Hollande to the French presidency. It went on to get an absolute majority of its own, which seemed to enable the implementation of François Hollande's political platform, with, which theoretically appealed to the Socialist Party as a whole. However, growing dissatisfaction from a substantial part of the socialist high-profile politicians emerged as the government quickly took a liberal turn. The situation got worse after the appointment of centrist Manuel Valls as Prime Minister in late March 2014. After his nomination, Valls warned any attempt from socialists to protest against the government by stating at a party meeting that, I quote, the left wing could die. Obviously, this did not help. Along with Hollande's dropping rating figures, as well as the huge losses by the Socialist Party at the midterm elections, the Socialist parliamentarians, skeptical vis-à-vis the government, started to organize themselves, notably by building a collective named Vive la Gauche, Long Live the Left, in the summer of 2014. So Barzin, how did these divisions impact the presidential campaign of the Socialist Party? Well, uh, Hollande's presidency has been seen as disappointing, and because of his very poor approval ratings, many actually wrote off his chances of re-election quite early on. Things started to happen when Emmanuel Macron resigned from the government in August 2016 to focus on his political movement called En Marche, forward, hinting at a, at a possible presidential bid. Macron wants to occupy a very large political ground from the centre-left to the centre-right, and as a consequence, many high-profile socialists chose to follow him ever since. The major event, however, happened in early December 2016 when President François Hollande, when he realized the Socialist Party would organize primaries no matter what, uh, notably because of the pressure from the so-called rebels, chose not to stand for re-election. Thank you very much, Barzin. Uh, so far, we talked about few candidates, but not really about the proposition about Europe. Let's take a moment for it. I will start with a word uh, first about the one who presented himself as the most pro-European candidate. Emmanuel Macron proposed to re- rapidly establish a European defense fund financing both joint research program and defense capabilities. He also campaigning for the creation of a budget for the UR with three functions and for the creation of a post of the Ministry of Economy and Finance of the Euro area who will be responsible for the Euro area budget under the control of Eurozone Parliament. What about François Fillon, Francis? Well, hello Antoine. Uh, François Fillon's European project is considered to be moderate. Um, the Eurozone is stressed in the electoral program. He wants to strengthen the euro as an instrument of sovereignty against the American dollar and the yen. He also calls for a government of the Eurozone. How to achieve those objectives, however, remains unknown. He argues that the current EU with 28 member states and the institutions working at the creation of a European federal state are over. He wants a complete institutional overhaul. At this point, I cannot not recall that back in 1992, he voted against the Maastricht Treaty during the French referendum. Compared to Emmanuel Macron, we can say that François Fillon calls for a more intergovernmental Europe, Francis. Thank you. Uh, Valentin, now let's talk about the candidates who are anti-European. Uh, yes, that's an interesting feature of that election. The two of the frontrunners are actually Eurosceptics, Marine Le Pen and uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon. So Marine Le Pen's obsession has been for years, as her father's obsession as well, the immigration. 
So uh, she's running on a definitely nationalist platform, but not only. She's also she's uh, rooting for protectionism and uh, breaking from the European Union, closing of the borders, and uh, as well as a return to the uh, as France's old currency, the franc. So uh, she aims at tackling Brussels in a negotiation and use that as a pretext to get uh, uh, a referendum for a potential Frexit. Uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, far-left uh, candidate, uh, is also one of those uh, considered a Eurosceptic. He wants to uh, renegotiate the treaties, especially the Treaty of Lisbon, that if he feels a way uh, too uh, aggressive towards the French social state and French social welfare. He aims at organizing a referendum on, uh, on Europe if he doesn't get his way with the authorities in Brussels. And a word to finish about the fifth and the last favorite of this election. Benoît Hamon-Barzin, you are a specialist of the Parti Socialist. What does uh, Benoît Hamon think about Europe? What does he want to do? Well, uh, Benoît Hamon, as a left-wing socialist, uh, has a quite a solidarity uh, project from, for Europe, a plan of uh, European investment, uh, which would amount uh, to uh, 1 trillion uh, euro uh, through the European Union. Uh, another proposal, well, another feature of uh, Hamon's uh, position is um, his... Uh, skepticism towards uh, TAFTA and CETA. He would like to, he's opposing the ratification of these two treaties. So that was a quick summary of the proposition of the favorites of the French election on Europe. Valentin, no, you will express a very personal point of view, France saviors complex. Uh, yes, I do think that France has a saviors complex. Every five years, the mainstream press, through a complex process, chooses kind of favorite. Uh, non-providential, if you will, that will lead the country to grandeur. Every five years, the media inflates the dynamic behind one of the candidates. In 1995, it was unfortunate candidate Edouard Balladur, who didn't even make it to the second round. In 2007, after the end of the second, second mandate of Jacques Chirac, it was Balladur's former, former mentor, Nicolas Sarkozy, who benefited from the dynamic. Even before we announce anything, the media next favorite was IMF director Dominique Strauss-Kahn, that they fantasize seeing come back to France and challenge Sarkozy in 2012. This year's chosen one is Emmanuel Macron. His candidacy has been inflated the same way the media did Balladur. So, Valentin, what do you mean? That it is a bubble that is going to burst like Balladur, but they did get it right on Sarkozy, no? Yeah, but at the same time, the media often got it wrong. Strauss-Kahn didn't even make it to the primary. Yet some, of, some in the media were openly talking about him as an ex-president, like on television. We don't know if it's going to burst or, or not yet. But that's, I, I'm, that's pretty clear that Macron's currency has been artificially inflated. But this is not, what, it's not quite what bothers me. It's the fact that Macron has been presented as a, an anti-system candidate. Macron has been an establishment inside of quite a long time now. Straight of the Econ Nationale Administration, France's most pre prestigious high school, he went directly through the Inspection de Générale des Finances where he was mentored by Jean-Pierre Jouillet. He was part of, he was part of the uh, Attali Commission then, and he was mentored by Jacques Attali, which was uh, Nicolas Sarkozy's official economist. He worked for the Rothschild Bank for four years as an investment banker. He returned yet 
again with uh, Julia's help, as a councillor to President François Hollande. Now he aims at continuing with that neoliberal agenda, and uh, he proposed, for example, to lay off 120,000 civil servants. Okay, wait, what do you mean by neoliberal? Can you be more specific? Macron favors banking deregulation, flexibility, business-friendly policies. And yeah, though as not, not as radical as highly conservative Fillon, he's still a neoliberal. He's supported by prominent French CEOs and uh, orthodox economists like Jacques Attali, one of his mentors, or Alain Manc, for example. Macron claims he's leftist when it comes to social issues, but right-wing when dealing with economics. That's the formula of his success, but that's also his biggest flaw. He's economically in the continuity of Hollande's social liberalism, as well as Sarkozy's sore attempt to Thatcherism. That right there, that's his biggest problem. He's the living incarnation of the same ideological line, you know, that neoliberal consensus, that right and left have embraced since the days of the new labor. Whatever which party was in power, the same measure, the same measure was were taken. Those policies have systematically left the poorest and most peripheral regions of France disenfranchised. And if they keep feeling that there is no alternative, in France, like in the rest of Europe, they'll keep voting more and more for far-right populist parties. The FN has been growing and growing again under Sarkozy, then under Hollande, because people feel that their social rights were undermined. Is this trend really going to stop under Macron? I don't know. Like, it does seem that Macron is going to keep on being business as usual if he wins. Where will the FN be in five years then? I don't know. Let's see. Thank you very much, Valentin, for this personal billet to finish and to close. Francis, thank you for coming here because you don't really care about this selection, isn't it? There are two major reasons for that. First, I don't care about the process. Why would I bother going through programs which won't be held while the debate will be kept on identity issues of a society I'm not living in? Even if the questions which matter for me, the European and international agenda, are well discussed this time, they remain traditionally among the least important questions for the average undecided voters. Those voters are the real target of the ongoing debate. Shortly said, I don't care about the electoral campaign because I'm not the public addressed by it. I left France under Sarkozy and went through half of Holland's mandate while living in Germany without feeling any change in my daily life. Moreover, my home region has known nothing but one truth since the 1980s, economic degeneration. That's why we, the young generation, keep living. I just went further than others. Okay, thank you, Francis. And uh, let's say also that the abstention, according to polls, could be at the top for this election. Thank you all of you for this interesting point of view. Let's finish very quickly with a short uh, debate. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you all seem a little disillusioned by this election, which is nevertheless presented as very important. A very broad question to finish. Please give me a very specific point. What should we change? Barzin, maybe. One of the major reasons for this uh, public distrust in politics in France right now is the perception of uh, inequalities, the growing perception of inequalities. I mean, one example, when you have François Fillon uh, asking people to uh, earn less and uh, work more while his uh, costumes, uh, he is said to have received uh, costumes for uh, 10,000 euros, um, that's a bit, a bit rich, I think, for many voters, and I understand their uh, distrust. Morgan, what about you? These elections lead to a certain pessimism, but I also wanted to underline some new trends that we've been witnessed. For example, the media campaign. For the first time, 
uh, in the presidential elections. Uh, as we know, uh, presidential debates representing the 11 candidates, which is um, the first step towards better coverage of all the programs. And also the fact that these scandals involving François Fillon, but also Marine Le Pen, have been uh, brought to the attention of the public. And we have more and more investigation media in France who are doing their job and hopefully giving more transparency to our public life. Okay, thank you, Morgan. The last, very last word for Francis. Well, I think because you addressed the fact of abstentionism, and I think one of the real problems is that uh, people don't find any suitable uh, candidates in the, in, in the current choice that we have. So for me, the, the real solution for France right now is to modernize its institution by having a sixth republic. I think it's been time since uh, f 59 years now for a change of republic, you know. So I think a new republic with a president with less powers is a solution. And I would add to this more proportionality in the parliamentary election. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Barzin. Thank you, Valentin. This is the end of the show. Thank you very much for following us for the very first show recorded here on the campus of the College of Europe in Natalina.